Playing with Velvet Tom. And now, your host, with really bad timing, Velvet Tom. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good whenever you're listening to this. It's another episode of Bad Timing with Velvet Tom. I'm your host, lover, loser, and legend, Velvet Tom. Welcome to episode 16. I'm just trying to jam one more episode in before Christmas. There might be a New Year's episode or previous to New Year's episode. We'll see, because it is the Saturday night before Christmas, and it looks like this week is just going to be jam-packed for a lot of folks, a lot of people trying to fit in some holiday cheer at the last minute, and over here at Velvetland, it is no different whatsoever. Today's episode is my guest, Dave Goldson. Dave Goldson, wow, what a story he had. We had technical difficulties, to be honest, but through the magic of technology, we figured it out. I was able to watch him via Zoom, but record his phone call that I was able to shoot from my iPhone to my Mac, thanks Apple, and then record that because there was Zoom sound problems. But we figured it out and we made it happen. So if there's stuff you don't understand, well, go back and listen to it again and again and again. Listen to it as many times as you want. Dave is a singer over at Singer's Row over at the Dresden. Now, that guy's been going there since the 90s after hitting just about every jazz singing club here in Los Angeles and the Burbank area. And he talks more about that in this episode. So listen up. And hey, Velveteers, new fans, time for you to open up a browser tab and go to velvettom.com. That's two T's in the middle, velvettom.com, the official site of me your lovable loser and legend, Velvet Tom. Now we have a podcast page where this episode and all the information you need to know about the podcast is over there. We've got all the platforms that you can listen to the podcast on. We're now on Spotify for a third or fourth week. That's pretty great. Uh, also, you can donate to the show because it's listener-supported. And you know, once these podcasts, they just first start out, they need a little help. We need your help. So uh, send a donation our way. We'd really appreciate it. Also, on the website is a way to get to all my social media. Sure, you can just type in a name in the Instagram, but there it's all just laid out for you. It's just a click away. So recommend you going over to the website, taking a look at it, and visiting all my social media stuff, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, become a subscriber, do all that wonderful stuff. I hope you guys are having a wonderful holiday season. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Jazz Persing. I suggest you go back and give it a listen. It's a great episode, but so is this one. Boy, Dave has stories. He has so many good stories, and it all starts in Long Island, New York. So sit down or wash a dish, do whatever you want to this wonderful episode with my good buddy, Dave Goldson. Uh, yeah, but, right. um, we'll figure it out. We're using old school and new school. I've got my landline phone, and you're seeing me on Zoom and hearing me on um, telephone lines or something. I don't know. <laughs> that is exactly, it is. That's exactly what's going on here. Your cell phone camera yeah. is making sure that I see your Zoom video, but you are straight up on a landline. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of the last people to own a landline. Don't ask me why I own a landline, but... Yeah. Um, it's so weird to have to transition out of there. I remember, I remember it being, like, being resistant to it, but then once I had a cell phone, it just really... It just didn't apply. I think the last place that I had a landline was in Las Vegas, and we just needed it to beat people through the gate because I lived in a gated community in Vegas. Yeah. It does come in handy. Like sometimes, like when you call tech support and they put you on hold, you know, 
but um, <laughs> if I if I had my landline on, I could still use my cell phone and check my email or whatever. You know, I don't know. It's just sometimes it's handy. Right. Like today. <laughs> right. Yes, I know. The landline is totally coming in handy. This is like this is like a call-in interview. This almost sounds like Stern. This is great. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so, um, as, as, as the first caller, do I win a prize or something? I don't know. You do. You win. You win a conversation with me, Velvet Tom. So, thank you, and you're welcome. I appreciate it. So this is supposed to go an hour. You expect people to. Hang in there for an hour. For you know, I mean, as as long as they can uh, to hang in for an hour, <laughs> we'll go as long as we can. You may, I think we can get. An I mean, hour it's, it's not for nothing that I'm known at the dressing as Mr. Chatterbox, right? Uh, Mr. What? <laughs> Chatterbox. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Can't get you <laughs> to stop talking. Is that an old expression that no one says anymore? Mr. Chatterbox. Uh, yeah, it's, it's probably an old one. It's just not that I haven't. Heard. Yeah, I heard. I, I heard. I, I slip up and show my age once in a while by, you know, saying "hoopty do" or something, and people look at me like, "What are you talking about?" Well, at first I thought you said Mr. Shadowbox, and I was like, "I bet that's, well, maybe. that's that true be too." too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Dave, I I imagine probably. In this nine months, you would have been back and forth to Hawaii at least twice. Uh, had this. Ah, you could not be quarantined. If I was, you'd be speaking to me in Hawaii, be quarantined there or something. Oh my gosh. Um. Yeah, you know they. Um. Yeah, they 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 just uh, they enforced uh, a quarantine for fourteen uh, days if you flew to Hawaii. And they they just um, kind of lifted it, but now it's it's pretty complicated. You've got to take uh, a test within 72 hours, of, and then have the results back before you even um, uh, your flight even leaves, uh -huh. and you know, negative result, um, or they put you in quarantine. So it's um, it's no, I haven't been anywhere. <laughs> I've just been <laughs> uh, here at the, hanging out at home, you know. Here at the homestead. And, uh, yeah, so it's, um, anyway, you know, uh, just hanging in like everybody else, I guess. What about you guys, you and that me? Uh, well, you know, I mean, same. We don't. We don't go out, you know, I go out and get supplies, like I do a lot of shopping and stuff, but we have, we have very limited contact, you know, social contact. I think there's been a couple that they've been very scheduled and we've usually uh, said hi to folks out in the open air. So no big mm -hmm. gatherings, no big groups, same, 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 but you know, I just, uh, I have just been. Yeah, we had um, turkey for two at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Made just like a little yeah. turkey breast. Uh, yeah, sort of a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, I guess. Or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Same. Same. A lot in the ways, you know. But we did. We did the. We did. We did Thanksgiving pretty right. Like. It's Staffy okay. and I's first married Thanksgiving. It's a, It's been a year. It's in fact, oh, wow. today, yeah. a year ago today is when I proposed to Staffy. Oh, wow. So. You know, that's great. Um, it, it reminds me, I, I got a, a call. This, this guy um, traced me down somehow, I don't know. And um, he said, uh, you know, um, his name is Matthew Worley, and he said, um, uh, I first, um, I, I met my girlfriend, Chase, at the Dresden when you were singing, and, um, you know, and then I remembered, I remembered him, and I remembered, um, you know, sitting at the table, and, you know, they, they were kind of, um, fairly regular, and I'd, you know, meet with them, whatever chat. And um, he said, uh, he said, you are our favorite singer. So I don't think this 
Anyway, that's what he said. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, he said, I, I, I'd like to surprise, it's our anniversary of meeting at the, at the Dresden, and I want to surprise my uh, girlfriend, um, and could, uh, could we call you, or could I call you, and uh, maybe do a song or something, and uh, so I said, yeah, sure, you know. <laughs> Well, I, so this is the closest connection I've had with Dresden since, except for I, did, I have spoken to Mario Lane a couple of times. But anyway, um, so I had um, I had just finished um, recording a song, and um, and I I kind of lip synced in my backyard, and so I sent in a video. I think it's it might be on uh, YouTube, uh, almost like being in love. So um, anyway, then we set the first whole thing up and we surprised his girlfriend. We gave me a call and uh, that was, uh, it was um, trying to replicate the Dresden experience <laughs> <laughs> to this couple. <laughs> so that was kind of a chick in the head, if I could quote from Dean Martin. That, um, that's awesome. So you created yeah. this whole thing. So. So you've been keeping yourself busy through quarantine, through through COVID. That's uh Yeah, I um I uh well I got a, a, a um uh keyboard controller and I wasn't quite sure what I was getting into. I thought I was gonna get a keyboard that you could like you see at Costco or Walmart where you plug it in and it's got a drum machine and you can make it sound like different instruments and so forth. But this this does nothing without a computer program. So, but it came with um, a, they call it a DAW, a digital audio workstation. And I just like GarageBand and um, there's different ones. This is Ableton. So, um, I had to learn uh, Ableton because I couldn't, before, um, I, I had recorded a few things with um, Stefan Oberoff, who's a musical genius out in Pasadena. Uh -huh. And I had recorded some tracks and put it out on Spotify and iTunes, etc. Et um, but I couldn't connect with him anymore. So, um, and it was kind of pricey, and I wanted to. Uh, you know, just to be able to record uh, for posterity, get some things uh, recorded. Yeah. So um, I I took like four lessons to Guitar Center, which were very reasonable, and uh, looked at a lot of YouTube videos, and I kind of taught myself this um, uh, computer music program, and uh, so I've, I've now recorded about five or six tunes and um so that, yeah that's that's been um occupying a lot of my time wow that's awesome dave but, <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of neat i mean it was a, a steep learning curve and at first it was frustrating but i finally got to be fairly comfortable and uh it's kind of um it's been kind of fun that's uh, that is amazing. And you said that you've posted some of this stuff up on YouTube as well. Yeah, I have some things on YouTube, and then um, it's all on, um, like Amazon Prime and uh, Spotify and so forth. Oh, you um, do. You've got it released on those platforms too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. So there's um, now Patrick. Put me, uh, put me up with uh, CD Baby, and it's um, you you can go on there and um, and download your recording, and then it's pretty normal free. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they distribute it to all these different music streaming sites. Um, so yeah, for yeah, people used to say, oh, why don't you record a CD and stuff and so on and you know that always seemed kind of pricey and um complicated but this is actually pretty well once you have the recording right 
um, you have a, a wave file or an MP3 file, it's pretty straightforward. You gotta get the, the rights to, if you haven't written the song yourself, you have to get the rights. Sure. But that's not that hard either. Wow. So, um, yeah. Well, there is another example of Singer's Row taking care of one of their own. That's pretty great. I, that's the first time I'd ever heard of CD Baby. Um, uh, had you done any recording previous to that? Like you said that recording an album was pricey, but had you had you earlier in your career as a singer done any done any recording? Um, yeah, uh, and I've um, yeah, the first time I wanted to record was I, I kind of. Um, with my take on the uh, this the COVID nineteen the Corona, and I I wrote a song called Alone Together, and um, it kind of um, addresses the whole this whole video virtual world that we're Zoom world that we're in now. Right. And um, so that was the first song I did, and. Um, but I've uh, recorded in the, in the past, and uh, like I say, with um, with Steph, we recorded some things in his his studio, and um, and you know, we distributed um, through streaming uh, devices, and um, and I had some things with um, I, I sing with a big band, and. Uh, so uh, I've done some recording with a couple of tunes with the big band. Okay. And um, so now I have, I have enough material to put out a CD. I could put put out a CD with about 13 or 14 songs on it. Um, but it seems like uh, people are kind of more into the streaming um, distribution. Yeah. Yeah, nothing really is being packaged so much as an album anymore but you know i mean uh, well i mean as far as there being a digital format you know no one's pressing wax anymore burning cds you know yeah. no one's no one's right, right. ripping cds anymore so yeah this is a new way to get it out there that's it's pretty genius uh once uh once you have the material how quickly you can get it in people's ears these days yeah you don't have to worry about yeah, radio play, you know, it's just. Right. They have some um, websites that will put it on, on radio or internet radio, you know. Um, I'm not quite sure how that works. No. But, um, uh, yeah, you can definitely. Uh, what I like is I can be, um, I can be in Maui <laughs> and uh, I can listen to Myself, I can listen to Matt or Patrick or, you know, because they have um, their own recordings out there. And um, so it's, it's convenient. You take your music library with you, you know, wherever you go. Yeah, yeah, you can listen to yourself all the time. I think that's what I do. Yeah. Once I record, I'll probably just listen to myself all the time. I probably won't be able to yeah. do enough of myself. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm probably looking forward to that down the road. But um, so, so as you know, the Dresden is going through a bit of a facelift. Uh, yeah. Right now. That needs it. Uh, definitely. I mean, really happy accident with the Dresden, but it seems like uh, they're getting a nice uh, needed facelift. We probably weren't going to be able to go in there anyway, even if, you know, even if they didn't go through a remodel due to some flooding. But well, you know that they're giving the, um, the vaccination, starting with the old guys. So I figure that if they do open up, it will only be Mario Lane and me. <laughs> and Jimmy. <laughs> they have to bust in a, a crowd from an assisted living center <laughs> and, you know, start wrapping up at 9.30 so we can get home for pretty bar, you know. So I think that will be... I might be the, 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 the uh, 
sneak open up the dressing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes a speakeasy all over again, really. <laughs> just, yeah. just for the vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, when did you um, uh, when did you start going to the Dresden, and how? Uh, I I assumed I don't know I th I think I'm imagining this, but were Marty and Elaine friends of yours outside of the Dresden, and then you came, or how did you all? No, connect? no. Um, there used to be. Uh, yeah, I used to work. Uh, yeah, I used to work at um, Channel Four News in Burbank. And um, years ago, there were a lot of jazz clubs uh, in the Burbank Toluca Lake area. Okay. And there was Alphonse's and Mr. B's and Chadney's, which was right across the street from at where NBC was. They since moved. And um, so it was it was cool because I, I and I worked news, so I would work from like three in the afternoon to. 11, 11, 15 at night on the news. And then, um, and then I was, you know, kind of up and ready and I'd leave and I'd stop by one of the clubs, you know, and, um, and Karen Hernandez was, uh, and she still is, uh, great pianist. And, um, and so, you know, I'd stand in saying whatever, um, and then, and there's a lot of great talent. And um, so anyway, uh, a, a guy uh, kept saying to me, oh, you want to try out the dress? And I think, you know, he'd really go over there and they'd like you and blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, where is he? He said, oh, it's in Hollywood. And I was like, Hollywood? I mean, I'm a Valley guy, you know? <laughs> it seemed like I needed a green card or something to go there. So, um, uh, and I finally made the the, the this <laughs> one day. He kept handing me. I should give it a shot, and and that was it, you know. And um, and eventually the jazz clubs in Burbank and Toluca Lake all disappeared. Oh wow! And the and it's still there. It was Martin Lane. And um, when I started going, you know, like we have a group now of regulars, and. Um, there was a different group of regulars, but um, Patrick was Barnett. Patrick Barnett was he was there with me, <laughs> so he and I go way back. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, yeah, and then you know through the years, um, the regulars have changed, and now we have kind of a group with you know you and Matt Forbes and Jazz Persing and so forth, who are the new regulars. Um, I call them anyway. Yes. And um, so I'm going to get a drink. So if it disappears from sight, I can still. Oh, sure. You can still tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and yeah, that was my, um, you know, I got to know Martin Lane and I um, found out that they don't live that far from where I live in the valley. And uh, so it's been around. I don't remember when I started going. It was, I think, in the 90s sometime. Oh, it was. It was in the and, 90s. Uh, yeah. So it's been, been a long time. And, uh, you know, the, uh, Carl Sr. was the owner. And then um, he passed away, and then it was... Um, Carl Jr. and he passed away, and now uh, Jim is left holding the fort in Ferraro. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm, um, I'm friendly with Jim. The other guys I didn't, I really wasn't that close to, but, uh, of course, Jim is very sociable, very pleasant, pleasant person. Yeah, yeah. And Jimmy hangs out and, Make sure everything yeah. runs. For sure. You actually say, yeah. Um, he stays in my Maui condo usually every. Uh, What's that? When they close down on Labor Day week, um, 
he goes to my condo. He says, spends a week at my condo. Oh, where? In Maui. Oh, in Maui. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. that's great. <laughs> I mean, not this year, but usually, you know. Uh, yeah, that's the only time they're closed is they they close for maybe like a commercial shoot or like film stuff. But Labor Day right. is sort of like yeah. their, that one week. their Christmas vacation. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, know. I can imagine, you know, they'd probably be super busy for Thanksgiving. Um, I don't know. Different, uh, definitely different uh year here it's been it's been so so sort of strange because i think i recall like i had a showcase the week before everything shut down and marty was mm. just about to make a comeback and then yeah and then everything shut down again so i don't know it's been i guess it's almost been a solid year since i've seen marty you said that you've spoken to he and elaine yeah, a couple times. The last time I, I, I spoke to them, they were looking forward to coming back at Christmas. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know, that might have been like October or something. That, even then, I thought, kind of raised my eyebrows. I thought, oh, I'm not sure that's going to happen. But, of course, you know, um, I guess it was wishful thinking. But uh, <laughs> I, was, sure I was shooting for August. <laughs> I was hoping August we'd be back. <laughs> oh, really? This past August? <laughs> Maybe next August. <laughs> yeah, maybe next August. Maybe that's the August I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I miss um, singing all the Christmas songs. And um, usually, like, right after Thanksgiving, I can't wait to bring out the Christmas songbook. And then, um, you know, both uh, with, the, with the big band I sing with and with Daniel Lane. So... Um, yeah, it's, uh, um, can't wait to get back. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to um, getting back. I'm not sure when that's going to be, but you know, uh, that's why we have, uh, these wonderful devices to be able to speak to one another. Uh, so so you said that you worked for the news. Now I recall you. Rem I remember a long time ago you telling me how you ended up working for Channel Four News. Now, also you are not a Californian, right? You are. I mean, is this New York or um, Long Island or Long Island? Long Island. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I just had you know, the opportunity to come out west, and, and, and you know, California always seemed very glamorous in the movie business and all that. And um, I was a uh, film editor, and um, oh. I had a uh, well. Yeah, I go back to actually, <laughs> I go back to news film, and uh, that's how old I am. Um, and we used to get, uh, I thought it out, it was black and white uh, news film, and they, you know, go out and shoot a story. Uh -huh. And it was negative polarity. And so you would edit it, um, and everything looked, you know, out of a little weird, because it was in reverse, as in blacks were white and whites were blacks. Uh -huh. And um, then, then they'd, uh, Put it on the air, and then the projector, um, they were able to reverse the polarity. So you didn't really see what the story looked like until it was on the air. Wow. <laughs> Live on the air. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that was, um, and then they went to, um, you know, a color positive film that looked normal. And then Dan started videotape, and there were all these different. I went through, I don't know, three or four different formats of videotape until um, I finally ended up with computerized editing uh, using a computer. And um, and at that point, so it used to be that 
uh, the film, it was kind of cumbersome and you needed like uh, two people to edit edit the news because it was, um, like I say, it was you had to handle the film and, and so forth and splice it, and, and which means uh, glue it together. And, uh, and then um, uh, videotape was, you could just, one person could just could do it because it, it was somewhat easier. Uh-huh. And then that, now it's computerized, and it's sort of like everybody could do it. So they, um, by the time, I, I basically was sort of forced to retire because they didn't really need so many editors anymore. Uh-huh. Um, but, but I was ready to retire at that point anyway. But like I said, singing was always... Um, I mean, love and, and uh, something I've always taken seriously, and um, it kind of worked out really nice in my lifestyle because I could, when I finished that work, I'd run off and go to one of these clubs. But um, a little harder now because now that I'm retired, um, most nights I'm not, I don't go anywhere, so I'm like in, in my pajamas at eight o'clock watching TV. But um, if I know I'm going to dress them, I kind of have to uh, make it a point to stay together. And, um, you know, I have to, I'm kind of waiting around the house to uh, to go there. So it's, um, it's, it's a little different. But uh, I manage. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, now, now, unfortunately, we don't, not a problem now, but uh, I wish I were. Uh, that's, that's pretty exciting that you got to see the metamorphosis of the technology and what you <laughs> were doing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you sort of become like a blacksmith, you know, suddenly. <laughs> There's no no jobs, you know, for, for that kind of work. Um, but uh, yeah, I went to every couple of years. I had to kind of relearn some new technology, and it was happening so fast. Now, was this and, something um, that you uh, learned in the field, or did you go to school? Did you go to film school? Well, I, I went to Syracuse University. I, I kind of, I think, I originally wanted to be in the movies and. Uh, I mean, work on movies, and um, the uh, and my parents didn't kind of discourage me from going back, you know, being so far from home, coming out west, and um, and at that time, uh, travel was uh, wasn't as prevalent as it is today to go coast to coast, and. Um, and people think nothing of hopping on a plane and flying to New York or whatever. So I kind of settled with Syracuse University. And um, so I went to Syracuse and um, saw a little bit of film there. But um, I basically, when I, um, I started out, someone got me a job at NBC as a page when I got out of college. Oh, great. And, yeah. So I worked like the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and um, other other shows, Kerry Como and all these different things. And um, now was this at Thirty Rock or was this out here? Yeah, Thirty Rock. Wow. Thirty Rock. Yeah, and um, I, it was a way of kind of getting uh, seeing what was going on and maybe getting in, you know, getting inside track on a job. So I. I ended up, um, you know, interviewing for a, a job in news film, and but they basically had to teach me the rudiments, um, and uh, so I learned kind of on the job training, and um, and so and then eventually I had to they trusted me out west, and um, um, because even though there were a lot of film editors here, there were not that many news film editors. It's right. A little different. Um, and uh, 
I had my own, um, I left the MEC and I had a, my own, I worked for Liberty Walpole for a while, and then I, I had my own, me and a, a friend uh, formed a film editing company, um, and uh, worked on different projects, and one of them was um, for Robert Goulet. Uh, Robert, I don't know if you know who Robert Goulet was. Do I know who Goulet uh, is? Oh, yes. Robert Goulet? Yeah. He was a famous singer. Um, and uh, I put together um, a film for him. Um, they, the, the idea was he, 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 he would come on stage and sing um, I've Got to Be Me, which is kind of like a My Way song. Of, yes. You know, heroic song. And they gave me a bunch of film clips uh, from like our Bob Hope show appearances he was on, and then he was he had kind of a a TV series where he was sort of like a James Bond spy series, and um, so I put together I intercut it so it it was uh, kind of ridiculous, you know. And then he, <laughs> Singing this great song, I've got to be me. And then I, I saw him, you know, someone throwing a pie in his face or whatever, I don't know. Um, and, um, but he used that. We went to Las Vegas and, and where it was, he was playing for Sahara and used for the first time, but he kept that in his act for uh, some time. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And uh, it was a little tricky because it was like, um, they would roll a film and there was a click track so the conductor because the conductor conducted the music live and um, I had put the put it together using the music track uh, they provided me with a music track oh I see put it together but they couldn't they wanted it to be live when he performed it so um, nice to make that work and then I did yeah, I've done a number of comedy music videos in that vein through the years. Um, and uh, so where I have, I, I've been able to have tried to marry music and film, <laughs> or video, whatever. You know? That's pretty exciting. Now, um, I want to go back to your page days. You said you worked on Carson and Como, like they're their regular shows. So you worked on the tonight show or you were a page on yeah. the tonight show. Right. So, um, so what's that experience like? Walk me through the day in the life of a page working for Johnny Carson when it's still um, in New York. So, I mean, this is, this is, is this early seventies? Is this the sixties? Is this, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be. It would, yeah, I'd be in the sixties actually. Okay. Um, matter of fact, I was, I was a page when um, Johnny Carson first started. Okay. Uh, it had been Jack Parr, and I was a page with Jack Parr. Oh, you were. Um, I, I'm so ancient. That's amazing, <laughs> but I mean, I I know what you're talking about because I. We watched a lot of Tonight Show growing up, and I knew that. My mom used to, I mean, my mom's like a big, you know, she knows her old Hollywood history pretty well. So she used to talk about Jack Parr all the time. So I know exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, there were little quiz shows, and, um, and the Perry Como show was out in Brooklyn. And... Um, with a, with a huge stage, and uh, Charlie Carson. Sometimes I'd work um, the backstage uh, and show the guests a, a dressing room, or um, just be at the desk in case they needed something. And uh, other times I'd seat the audience, and um, so yeah, I was. Uh, I was there for the, his uh, 
they, Jack Parton did his show, and then they had like a in the summer, I think, um, different guests each week. One week was Groucho Marx, next week was Steve Lawrence, or you know, different people filled in until Johnny Carson started. And um, so, yeah, it was kind of. I guess it was kind of neat. Yeah, I, I <laughs> mean, really, just. Way. But I mean, was the show still was the show live then, or was it still a pre-taped? Oh, yeah. pre yeah. show? Um, well, let's see. Now, videotape did come in with Jack Parr, but um, but the show was shot live. I mean, they wouldn't um, stop and start. So when on commercial break, it was just be a minute of nothing, you know. Oh. Or two minutes or whatever, and then come up again. And because uh, editing videotape was not that easy at that time, you had to physically um, edit, cut the tape, kind of like film, right? And splice it together. Oh, still um, okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So they they shot, they did the show live, and um, I think the show is still. Kind of live. Uh, well, right now, you know, with COVID, it's like, I mean, they're interviewing all these different celebrities at their home. I know. So they can, <laughs> I mean, a way at which it's convenient, more convenient for everybody because they don't have to go to the studio. And uh, I mean, some of them do, but most of them just prefer to stay, you know, stay home, uh -huh. as I'm doing here. <laughs> And um, it's the safest, best way. Yeah. So I, I imagine, I don't know now, but that like um, Jimmy uh, Kimmel or whatever is interviewing the people that eat. It doesn't matter when, you know, mm -hmm. and then they just integrate that into the show. So in that sense, it's not live per se, it's, but um but anyway, at that time, yeah, everything was it was still everything was live. Wow. Yeah, that that's pretty fascinating, man. You know, I mean, I would have, I think that that would have been interesting to just be standing off to the side, watching a live audience, watch a live show, and here you may have just been off camera just a little bit, but still, that's uh, that's quite that's quite an experience, I I think. And... Yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely memorable, and uh, you know, I did it for about uh, six months, I guess, all told, and then oh yeah, was able to move into um, the loose film operation, and uh, that um, yeah it was sturdy rock, and. Uh, Kind of the, um, but um, anyway, so in recent years, I I got to make more on music now. Now I'm now I'm retired. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot because when Matt and I were talking, uh, he told mm -hmm. me that you are quite the Sinatra file. Like, I mean, if there's anybody that knows anything about Frank Sinatra at this point, you're the guy to ask. I don't know if I have any questions. I just want to, I just want to know if that's true. Uh, I would think that Johnny Carson first starting out, you know, if you saw that, you may have seen Frank Sinatra around there too. It seems like he was pretty influential in, in Carson getting his start since he was sort of a replacement uh, Rat Pack comedian when Joey Bishop couldn't uh, couldn't be around. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there was one, one time when Sinatra was, I think he was going to host the Tonight Show, and um, I tried to sneak in. You know, they, were, they were real tight with security. Oh, I bet. And... Um, they wouldn't let me stay. <laughs> well, I don't have any, any inside uh, in that sense. But um, 
Yeah, I have a lot of Saints albums uh, from at least a couple of years. And, uh, and I don't know. I, I know, but I know a lot of songs. I've got a filing cabinet of songs. And um, I, I, for one, uh, I try to do different songs all the time at the Dresden or anywhere. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess um, I can't see just doing the same three or four songs all the time. So I, I'm, I always try to mix it up and uh, bring in something new. Since I know so many songs, um, as long as I don't uh, spook the band, you know. <laughs> but uh, so um, yeah, I try to find different things to work on, and uh, um, but yeah, I think I I'm fairly knowledgeable about science career. And, uh, you know, it was an amazing gift of music. And, and, you know, the one thing I like about the Dresden is that it's, uh, it, it keeps that music alive. I don't mean, I'm not limiting it to Frank Sinatra, but the music of the 30s and the 40s and 50s. Yeah. Um, and even in the 60s with Bobby Darren and so forth. But it keeps that genre of music alive. And it's encouraging when there are young people um, who kind of pick up the torch and, and continue it. And uh, so, um, you know, like yourself and, and, and uh, Matt Forbes and Patrick Barnett and, and uh, Jeff Persling, yeah. you know, it's, it's great that you guys uh, do their part. And then and we get a young audience. Uh, mixed audience, but there were definitely young people who are being turned on to this music for the first time. Uh, yeah, and it's finding a new audience. That's the thing that I love about this. You know, it's just like I don't know, I don't know any new music unless it's like played on a commercial a lot. But I know that there's a touchstone for me to go back to music of even the music that my parents listened to. I mean, they they would have to be for me the biggest influence. You know, speaking of Perry Como, because we had his Holiday album. And if I were home in oh, Kansas right. City, you know, in the 80s, it would still, we would still have a big console with a working eight track player and Perry Como's eight track would be in there. <laughs> or, or uh, Andy Williams, Andy Williams, because right, Andy Williams. his yeah. version of Oh Holy Night is one of my favorite Christmas songs. So I know that I would be putting the needle back on that vinyl playing that one over and over again so i it's always been it's always been something for me and i've always just enjoyed singing it um i i was <laughs> it was weird because I, in previous interviews i'll tell you the same thing is that my goal during covid was to learn the american songbook and see how many of like oh. the 100 uh -huh. songs of Porter and Gershwin and you know Rogers Hart, right? Uh, yeah. To see, uh, and I haven't done that, by the way. <laughs> I, oh. <laughs> I started. I started a podcast instead. I found something to distract me, and I'll keep on talking about it, and I'll keep not doing anything. But what I've discovered is that I know more songs than I think because. Uh -huh. like, one of an old song will be used in a television show and we've been binging a lot of tv i don't know if you have but thafty and i have been watching hours and hours of television and a, a good portion of it was british baking shows but uh we definitely got down to something and there would be like an old tune like an old sinatra tune or uh, as you mentioned uh, bobby darren and i'll start singing that song from beginning to end and then it's like Oh, I didn't know I knew that one too. <laughs> you know, there's I'm, oh, yeah. I'm finding that I got a hidden vault for knowing songs. So it goes on the it goes on the That's master great. list. Yeah. 
that's great. Well, the best thing I like about, um, you know, the Dresden um, is that, uh, you know, you might hear someone do a song and, and, and I'll say, gee, I, um, I haven't done that one in ages, you know, and I almost forgot about that song. And uh, so then I'll go back home and go into my file and pull it out and, you know, refresh my memory of that song and bring it back. Um, uh, for me, with you, it's, uh, it's the song, It's All Right With Me, because that's a song, when I first heard that, I think I heard that, you know, Harry Connick do a cover of that, and mm -hmm. that's what I knew, but I remember the first time that I heard you sing that at the Dresden, and it clicked with me that I knew, that I knew that song. I mean, it was like, where had oh. I heard that before, but... Uh, <laughs> And it took it's a long time for me to get back to Harry Connick because I was like, oh, I know this. I, I think I know this. And I've tried yeah. singing it a couple of times, but I'm not as comfortable with it as hearing you sing it. Um, well, I have, um, that, that, that's a good example of a song that I like to do because <clears throat> for me, performance is, is almost kind of a lost art. But, you know, you have it and Matt, and Patrick, you entertain the crowd, and it's more than just singing the song. It's it's making that contact and communicating. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that that song um, <clears throat> gives me a great opportunity because I only see it when there's some women who are kind of at the piano bar or nearby. Mm -hmm. And um, the original intent of the song is 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 um, and lyrics are important to me, but Cole Porter was singing about someone who has lost a love and and um, can't quite replace it. And uh, but you know, he's, if, if you're in the same boat, it's all right with me. That kind of thing. <laughs> and um, but I kind of just throw that. So it's really kind of a sad song, but I, I turn it around and do it up tempo. And what I like to do is, um, is uh, I'll sing. It's the wrong time in the wrong place. So your face is lovely, and I'm looking at, at you know, I'm directed right at, at one lady. Right. It's the wrong face. It's not her face. And I'll turn to a lady who's next to her, and. Um, <laughs> So, and then I go, uh, it's the wrong song, and I pretend I'm going through the music or something, and the wrong style, and I wag my finger at Elaine, like, she's making a mistake, and, uh, but your smile is lovely, it's the wrong smile, it's not her smile, and I do it again, I, each time I go to a different woman, so uh, the audience always responds to that, I'm losing my voice here, but. Uh, hey, you know what? I I uh, I won't keep you much longer. It's really actually been a great conversation. That's actually a good little thing to end on because that room, you know, we've talked about that room that you know at its most packed, you're you're eye yeah. to eye with most of the people. If you don't if you don't make some sort of personal contact with you know at least a few people around you while you're doing your song, then I don't know who I don't know who anybody thinks they're singing to if they're just singing overheads. I mean, people are just literally right there. We just we talk about that one seat that's right next to the microphone, so literally yeah. your crotches in somebody's face while they're trying to enjoy you singing. It's all right with me. Right. <laughs> Is it all right with them <laughs> that you're there? Yeah. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, well. But um. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I always enjoy doing that song and having fun with, with the audience. And then, um, and then it, I think they, it makes them pay even more attention to, to you because, uh, it's like, what is this guy doing? You know, I better, uh, I, I better stay awake, you know, see what's going on. Because, <laughs> um, you know, and they become part of the, the show basically. And I think that's what you want. You want that participation. Yeah. And I can feel the energy. And uh, so, you know, I try to give 100%. If the audience gives me 50%, then I go, 
200%. I mean, you feed off that. I do. I mean, it's, uh, it makes me nervous to perform. I mean, even after like three years of coming in, which is a drop in the bucket to, uh, to like you and Pat coming in, I still get very, very nervous. Like my heart just starts to race as soon as I start walking towards that microphone, because it is literally, you are on the same level as the audience. They are right there. So it gives me, yeah, I get. But, but, but um, kind of fits me more is occasionally I've had a situation where, especially with the big band, where I'm singing to an audience and they're, they're not at the bar, they're not talking to each other, they're just sitting on chairs looking at me and they're quiet and it's, it's more of a, like a theater experience, you know, and it's like, don't you people want to talk to each other, you know, yeah, sure. I, mean, I got their full attention, but it's like a little bit unnerving because I'm not used to that, you know, <laughs> so um, there's some comfort in the fact that people are kind of preoccupied with some other things. Yeah, I don't mind it. You know, I mean, you get used to it after a while. You get used to yeah. it. I mean, you, as a performer, you if you want a different experience, then you'll go to a different place. You know, if you want, yeah, if you want people to listen to you, like uh, I don't know. In the past, I've gone to a, a, an open mic at the Gardenia, which usually starts earlier before the Dresden on a Tuesday night. I recall going to the Gardenia, and that's usually uh-huh. there's usually a list of people who want to sing, but also there's always sort of a small installed audience that is there to listen. And like they, they're quiet while you're getting your, while you're getting your sheet music in order, you have a stand there, you have a mic. I don't know if you've ever made it over to the Gardenia. Um, Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. It's always, it's, Um, it's more presentational. It's that's the theater experience. <laughs> Worries yeah. me sometimes. But. Yeah, right. But um, but that's that's the thing with the Dresden too. Is, oh, it's one of the. Uh, I, I'm getting a note that I, my cell phone's on low battery, but um, you can still hear me, right? I yeah, I sure can. Yeah, I'm probably I probably have to plug in here too. Um, yeah. Well, you know what, Dave? Uh, I will. I'll wrap it up with you. We've we did an hour, man. We cracked it. I knew we could. Oh wow! I knew, I knew you had stories, and I'm really glad that you uh, shared with me today. Anything you want to end with? Any uh, sentiments? Any uh, any thought? I'm gonna do <laughs> any thought, any canter, any anecdotes. Bring back, <laughs> bring back a little New York for you there in the end. You know, I miss a, a live audience, and uh, we may be stuck with cardboard cutouts or something. You know, I don't know, but um, hopefully we'll have that chance of a live audience and and um, performing live again uh, in the not too distant future. So, um, uh, you know, yeah, I hope preparing for it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, this yeah. is this is the time to get ready for it. Well, Dave, thank right. you, uh, thank you very much. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, stop us right here. You have a you have a good rest of your day. Okay, you too. Take care. Thanks, Tom. There you go, episode sweet sixteen. Thanks again, Dave Goldson, for being my guest. I appreciate the short turnaround and working through all the glitches, but we did it, man. It was a Christmas miracle. And we did it. I'm so happy that I got the chance to talk to you. So many great stories, especially the one where he was an NBC page, like right around the Jack Parr, Johnny Carson transition. Now that's just handing the show over, like in the early 60s. That's like that, to be part of that. And when the show was still live and to to be there and look at the enjoyment on people's faces as they were there at a live television show. I mean, even in the 60s, that was sort of a big event that you got invited to, unless you were like one of those people who just went to all of them or like that's where you took a date, you know, was a free taping to a show. But exciting nonetheless, great story uh, to hear. Uh, Again, all these episodes have been great stories of people who've had wonderful 
entertainment histories and have had like weird things happen to them where they where they have something to share after the fact. So that's what I loved about this episode. Go back and listen to all the episodes. Uh, you can do that on multiple platforms such as Apple, Stitcher, now Spotify. You can go directly to SoundCloud or you can go directly to the website velvetom.com and go to the podcast page and listen to this episode right there. Oh, it's so good. Well, I don't think there's going to be one next week, so there won't be one for Christmas or after Christmas. Maybe we'll try and get one in there for New Year's Eve. I don't know. But keep listening, folks. Thank you so much. Be kind. This is the best time of the year to be the best version of yourself. So take care of yourself, take care of your loved ones, and most importantly, stay velvet.